either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. A lot of variety in movie openings this week. I think whatever you're into, you can probably find a little something. We're going to try to anyway. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And let's start out with a Viking odyssey. From visionary director Robert Eggers comes an action-packed epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. It's the Northman. Why would he stow away to such a hellish place? To find what was stolen from me. And what is that? The kingdom. You must choose between kindness for your kin or hate for your enemies. Your strength breaks men's bones. I have the cunning to break their minds. And night by night, we will carry out my pledge of vengeance. I will avenge you, father. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will save you, mother. I will kill your father. Well, in case you don't know the name Robert Eggers, he did The Witch, he did The Lighthouse, and just on those two films alone, we want to see everything he's doing. At the same time, just on those two films alone, you might not. Because they were both fairly polarizing. We loved, loved both of them. But I know yep. a lot of people yeah, that's, who that's really fair. didn't like either one of them. And if that's the case, I don't think that you necessarily want to, to decide against this one. It's a very, in a lot of ways, different movie for him. Much bigger. It's a different genre. You know, it's it's uh, less intimate, more, uh, it's more of an action adventure. Oh, yeah. Bloody, but a, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks fantastic, it which if you know anything about him, you can pretty much assume that now. Oh, yeah. It looks great. And the, the period detail oh. is meticulous. It's, it's, it starts out about, what, 9, what they say, 950 A.D., something like that. That's when it starts, when this uh, young Viking prince is just a boy, a mm-hmm. small boy. His father, the king, is played by Ethan Hawke, and his mother, the queen, is Nicole Kidman. And um, his uncle is Klaus Bang who somehow, most every movie I've ever seen with Klaus Bang, he's involved in an art heist. <laughs> this one is has 100% less art heist in it, so <laughs> I was surprised about that. But anyway, uh, the young Viking boy sees his father killed, and he takes off. He's, he manages to escape mm-hmm. the killers, uh, the posse. Uh, maiming to take him out, and he goes away to, I, I want to start singing, off to New Lands from Led Zeppelin. But uh, he goes off and grows up and with a mission, with a vow to come back. And as it says in all the marketing, I will avenge you, father, I will save you, mother, and I will kill you. I don't know how to pronounce the name <laughs> of, of Klaus Bang's character. But uh, that's his mission. That is his singular mission in life. And... It's a big, like I said, it's a big epic. This is two hours, just about two hours and 20 minutes. I don't think it drags, though. No. It's it's incredibly compelling. It's very Shakespearean yeah. in its themes. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it takes a couple of twists I didn't see coming. I didn't realize going in there's there would be as much... Um, what is it, witchery? Yeah, supernatural. Maybe? Sorcery, kind of, yeah, kind of sorcery. which I, I really did like yes. in there. Yeah. And then it takes another 
another turn that I didn't see coming, but here's what I loved. When it does take this turn, I immediately had a thought where I'm, I'm saying to myself, well, what about this? And then almost the next line of dialogue dealt with that yep. question, and I love that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, if it was his stuff is so well-crafted. Visceral. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think also the performances, I mean, if, you, if you've watched the trailers, you might just think it's a bunch of battles. It's, it's really well-written. The performances oh, yeah. are great. Yeah, because Alexander Skarsgård plays the prince grown up, and he has to go through his plan and the chance to avenge his father's murder. He has to go through a lot and put himself through a lot to be in that situation. Uh, and it is quite a quest, yeah, quite a is. Shakespearean quest. And he, Alexander Skarsgård, cuts quite the Viking figure. Yes, he, he does. He, he fits it very well. Yeah, he really does. And his dad is in it for a minute. His actual yeah, dad, right? Yeah. Helen Skarsgård is in it for a minute. I mean, they're Nordic. He's, I mean, but he's he's a little bit hard to pick out. I was wondering when he came on screen, is that him? And then you said, oh, yes, it is. Yeah, I could tell from his voice right away. But, yeah, it doesn't look like him. Also, of course, Willem Dafoe is in this one being weird as always. Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy is great. A favorite, of Bjork, course, from The because Witch. Because Iceland. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's yeah. a little, if you didn't know that she was in it, she might be a little hard to pick out because she's got this amazing headdress oh, on. Yeah. And, you know, maybe huge fans would. But I, I think if I didn't know it was her, I might have a hard time picking her out. But uh, everything, the, the the costuming, and as you mentioned, the period detail and the battles and just the, and the savagery, yeah. um, everything is just so meticulously crafted, as you expect from him. But it's also very, it's, I mean, it's intense. We had, we had someone, a good friend of ours came to see it, and he walked out after about an hour, maybe less. And it's not because he didn't like it. It's because it was just too much that day. It was day. too much. He was doing his taxes. <laughs> So if you don't have your taxes done, don't go see yeah. this on the day you're doing your taxes. <laughs> yeah, it was just mentally. It was, it was too more much. than he was right. ready for that right. day. This is not a life. He's going back tomorrow. He is. He's going back. Uh, and he, he thought no one would. So I said, I saw you sneak out. <laughs> but uh, it's a, yeah, it's intense. It's it's going to to grab you and, and take you on a journey. Yes. It, it really is. Not a lot of laughs in this one. We got laughs coming later this week. <laughs> this is not the film for laughs. No. But if you have seen The Witch and if you have seen The Lighthouse and really respect the way this guy puts movies together, I think you're going to be enthralled. I really do. If this is your first, if this is your, your entry into Robert Eggers. You won't be disappointed. No. And I hope you'll go back and look up the yes, other two. Yeah. But because uh, we were really, really were compelled by it and uh, give it a, a big recommendation. Again, it's a, it's a little longer than normal, but it seems like a lot of movies are these days. But if they're this good. I didn't feel it. No. I don't care. Exactly. Yeah, I did exactly. not feel it. It can be this long and, if, and you don't feel it mm -hmm. because it's that kind of storytelling. Both visual, there's those both visual and dialogue storytelling sure, here. Yeah. Equal and they're both great. And that is The Northman out in theaters right now. Okay, you want laughs? Now we got the laughs. It's an action-packed comedy where Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a superfan and CIA agents. It's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. What do you guys want? We're with Central Intelligence. Do you know who you're spending time with? One of the most ruthless men on the face of this planet. I need you to help the U.S. government. Let's kill this Your friend is working for the U.S. government. Don't lie to me. Are those my golden guns? They're my golden guns. I don't want to kill you. You're the last person I want to kill. I love you. I love you. 
Bob. Nick. Otherwise known as massive talent. I think that's what the marketing is calling it right now. But whatever you call it, it is just so much fun. I had a blast with it. A hoot. A hoot. It is a hoot. First of all, Nick Cage as a CIA agent. If a you know, if <laughs> if a if a tell all book comes out in twenty years saying that he really was, who is going to be surprised? No one. Anyone? No. So until then, we have this. Where <laughs> Nick Cage is playing himself and he's he's disenchanted with the business. He has this dream role of a lifetime and he gives a, just a crazy Nick Cage intense reading in public in front of director David Gordon Green. Well, he doesn't get the part, so he's thinking of quitting the entire business, but uh, his agent Neil Patrick Harris, great, yeah. informs him, "Hey, we got this offer for 1 million dollars. All you have to do is come to the birthday party of a super fan at his incredibly lavish compound in Spain." So he's off and the super fan is Javi played by Pedro Pascal. But he's hardly there a few minutes when he's he's blindsided by these two CIA agents, Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, and they're funny together. They are. They're funny together. I like both together. of them, yeah. Yes. Seems that they have Javi pegged as a international drug lord who has kidnapped a young girl in order to influence an upcoming election. So that doesn't sound like a laugh riot, but it turns into one. Oh, it really does. You know, it's so funny. Nicolas Cage, first of all, he clearly has an excellent sense of humor about himself. What a good sport he is. Yep, yep. And uh, and he plays himself, but, you know, a very, like, a very narcissistic, you know. Right. Uh, the, you know, a, a very, very funny version of himself. But he also plays a second, the young Nick Cage, <laughs> the one who hasn't made 500 movies a week for the last 15 years, the one who is still on top of his game, who who is who is kind of an imaginary friend, kind of a psychotic, you know, split. It's so funny, and he's and he's hysterical. He is young Nick Cage. Even he's though, hilarious. Even though that character proves that the de aging is still a little rough, it's still. Did uh, you think that was intentional? Maybe a little bit. I thought maybe, maybe it was because it's funny. It is funny, uh, and that young Nick is there to give him all the bravado of youth and to remind him who the f they are. They're <laughs> Nick Cage, and, <laughs> and it is a blast. And I I like. I agree with what you said about how it takes shots at the, you know, the phoniness of Hollywood. But I don't think that's ever self-serving. It's just enough of a wink, yeah. wink, and a nudge, nudge yeah, that it's so funny, and it gives just countless callbacks to all of Nick Cage's canon. I mean, there are some movies that I had forgotten about that they pull out, <laughs> and it's never judgmental. You're never, they're no. never, they're never slamming them. Uh, they're res- not only are they respecting the love. Of movies because Javi does for yeah, sure, and yeah. he loves Nick Cage, but also respecting this guy who you you probably no matter what you think of any of those movies you can't find one where he was sleepwalking through it. No, you just can't. No. And they're saluting that as well. And you're right, he has a he has a great good natured sense about himself and his and the cult of Cage that has been has been growing. And this film not only sort of pokes fun at that, but respects it as well. And that's what makes it so much fun. And it's just funny. It is. And the other thing is that he and Pedro Pascal have such a sweet, genuine chemistry. I'll be honest. I like Pedro Pascal in this better than anything I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree with you. Because he's funny and goofy 
And and just yeah, the rapport is so wonderful. I mean, Pascal nails this, you know, super fan. He's so earnest. There's it's definitely not a cynical take on the super fan. I right. mean, it's really quite lovely. And it it's, is. it's and so, you know, mainly the movie turns into this really funny buddy comedy sort of a situation that in the end reminds you of particularly face off. But I mean it just it calls <laughs> to mind several right. of Cage's biggest movies. Right. And the it's writer, just a blast. It is. The co-writer and director is Tom Gormican, who before this has only really done a movie called That Awkward Moment that was not good. And this is a big step up. This is just, it's just so much fun. Absolutely. Sure, it's ridiculous, but in such a way that I don't think you, you can't help but get sucked in by it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just such a blast whether you're a Nick Cage fan or not. And I think if you're not, this would probably win you over. I think so, too. I mean, he's he's just so endearing, as, as as you mentioned, as is Pascal, and their relationship is great, and how it goes through the twists and turns of Cage trying to work undercover with the CIA and because of what he thinks about Javi, and then maybe they're wrong and where it ends up. It's Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's hard to just sum up. Uh, as far as the plot goes, because it really doesn't matter. What's what's fun is how much fun they have with it and the the persona of Nick Cage. It's not only the role he was born to play, but the timing is just perfect. And it's one that's just make you feel good. Yeah. Because it's fun and it's funny both. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the reaction, uh, seeing how it does at the box office, I because I well. think this has a lot. Both of these, we just talked about the Northman. I hope these both do really well. In the theaters. I do too. Uh, this is out there as well. Another big recommendation for the unbearable weight of massive talent. How about one for the whole family? Okay. Several reformed yet misunderstood criminal animals attempt to become good with some disastrous results along the way. This is new from DreamWorks Animation, The Bad Guys. You ever wonder what it'd be like if the world wasn't scared of us? Never gonna happen. Guys, we're gonna go good. Did you get hit on the head? You villains have an image problem. You need a makeover. So criminal. Well, there goes our street cred. Well, I'm tired of being an outcast. Maybe I don't want to be a... What? A bad guy? You're going to have to choose between your friends or the good life. They're the only friends I have ever had. You have a chance to write your own story. What have you got to lose? I don't know. My dignity? Yeah, well, that ship has already sailed. So we just found out this morning, this is based on a series of kids' books uh, by Aaron Blabby. I found that out on our TV gig this morning, that the host (laughs) had actually interviewed him about these. So this was fun to to learn about that and follow up, because it is a fun adventure, colorful, fast-paced, broad humor that I think both kids and adults can enjoy. Um, You've got these five bad guy animals, this this criminal pack. You've got the wolf, uh, voiced by Sam Rockwell. You've got the shark, Craig Robinson, the piranha, Anthony Ramos, the tarantula, Aquafina, and the snake, Mark Marin. So they're this, this criminal gang that everybody's afraid of. Everybody knows they're bad guys, but they get busted. And then they end up making a deal for a pardon by the governor, voiced by Zazie Beetz, if they can be turned into good guys by the leading good guy in town, a guinea pig known as Professor Marmalade, voiced by Richard Aode, who I wasn't really familiar with, but he does a great job nice. as this voice. So they want to be good guys, but still there's this priceless statue that they really want to steal, the gang of bad guys. So then it turns into an Ocean's Eleven type of caper. 
and you find out who is maybe double-crossing who and who isn't who they think they are or who you think they are, and then it goes back like Ocean's Eleven does, and it shows you at the end what was really going on, what you didn't see. So, yes, it is fun. Um, the humor, as I said, is pretty broad. Uh, there's fart jokes right, and things right, like right, that, yeah. so the kids are going to be giggling, and, and, and the, the parents will have fun with it as well. It's not going to hit the heights of, say, Zootopia right. or something like that, but it's got a fine message of don't judge a book by its cover, you know, stick by your friends, um, don't fall for easy stereotypes, and all, you know, all that's well and good. So it's a little broad, but it is fun, and it, it goes by pretty quickly, pretty brisk, fast-paced, and colorful. So, yeah, I think it's something that the uh, the parents and the kids can bond over uh, this weekend. This is in theaters as well, called The Bad Guys. Boy, I got a weird comedy next. A dissatisfied woman abandons her career and her family when she gets the chance to compete in a bizarre and dangerously flawed contest. The prize, a brand new habanero orange compact SUV. This is called Stanleyville. Congratulations. You have been chosen from hundreds of millions of candidates to participate in a platinum-level exclusive contest. I'm psyched. Are you psyched? <laughs> Start time, everybody. This contest is just an extension of me pursuing my destiny. Yes, pursuing your destiny. <laughs> this round is very fun. When the moment comes, you won't hesitate. That's right. Mm. Go ahead. We're almost done. Well, this is the feature debut for co-writer and director Maxwell McCabe Locos. And this one is just weird, which is not necessarily a bad thing, right. but it is weird. <laughs> um, and the the main woman, Maria, is played by Suzanne Wiest, who we remember from Goodnight Mommy. Yeah. Huh? Look up Goodnight Mommy. Uh, not a comedy, though. <laughs> and she's just so dissatisfied with her life, and she is approached by this guy who's named Homunculus, played by Julian Richings, oh. who... I love him. Yeah. All the way back from The Cube, yeah. a Canadian horror movie from years ago that everyone should watch. But the, he was also just a couple years ago in a movie called Anything for Jackson, yeah. which was also great. I love this guy. So he's just weird. And he goes <laughs> he goes up to her. She's just she's abandoned everything. She's thrown her purse, her possessions in the trash. And she's just sitting there in a massage chair at the mall <laughs> when he walks up and informs her that she's been chosen from millions of other applicants for this exclusive platinum level contest. And so she just, she goes, and she goes into this room where she's got four other opponents she's going to be fighting for this SUV and the the chance that this fulfillment, this mind-body-consciousness-fulfillment sort of thing that you'll get from conquering these eight rounds of competitions, just weird stuff. And even though she's named Maria, her opponents have these names like Manny Jump Cannon and Bo Phil Pancreas. Those are their names. <laughs> And just these this weird series of competitions to try to get a winner, and it's it's very existential. It's you know it's meant to be a microcosm, especially her her opponents, a microcosm of society because the four people she's going against are very easily put into boxes. You've got the hedge fund douchebag, you've got the muscle bound jock, the badass bitch, and the fame whore. And so it's a bit of a microcosm of society and what they will do, the lengths they will go just to get this prize. It's meant to be satirical. I didn't find it very funny. I, I think it's ambitious and it's well-intentioned. Um, I just, boy, you have to have a certain sense of humor that's really tuned into this. I do think it makes me curious about what this filmmaker will do in the future. 
And I also did like the ending. I certainly don't want to spoil anything at all, but the ending reminded me a lot of Birdman. Nice. Um, and it's existential questioning, and it, it ties back to the very beginning, something that happens in the very beginning, uh, without telling you too much and leaving you to wonder, which I did like. Mm-hmm. So overall, I thought it was a, a, a good effort. For me, not that funny, not not that successful of a satire, but really well-intentioned. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, he does in the future. And that is out now in theaters called Stanleyville. Got a comedy on VOD next. It's a teenage delinquent teaming up with a surly children's party magician to navigate her dysfunctional family and inner demons. This is called Marvelous and the Black Hole. See, magic is about making an audience feel something. Ideally, it would be a sense of wonder, but I'd settle for mild rage in your case. Ah! I still listen to a tape my mom made, even though it hurts. It won't be the same, but you'll heal. You remind me of me when I was your age. I wasted a lot of time being angry. Focus on your act. I'm glad we met. Well, if you've been wondering where Rhea Perlman has been, well, here she is. Here she is as, appropriately enough, a magician. A magician who performs for children. And she's quite charming. And she runs into, in a public restroom, she runs into the very surly Sammy, played by Maya Ketch. Boy, she's good. Mm-hmm. Wow, she's good. She's, she's 13 years old. She is angry at the world. And she's sporting a shiner. And she's smoking a cigarette. And she's just as cute as she can be. Here's the thing. Um, I feel like a lot of times movies that focus on angry or angsty teenagers, particularly teenage girls, they don't take the girls very seriously. Right. And it feels very campy and maybe a little bit condescending. And that's why it often can be hard to deliver such an authentic performance as you see here. Yes, you're exactly right. She really she really delivers a completely believable picture. You understand why she's so angry. She just doesn't have the capacity to sort through what is going on, she's filled with rage. She mm-hmm. knows that it's not directed in the right way. She doesn't know how to direct it. She's mad, and she's filled with grief. And as you know, I've said this before, grief is very hard for films to handle. They tend to want to just resolve it quickly, and that's just not how grief works. I want to give writer-director Kate Thang applause for the way she tackles a lot of things and how well it's handled in this movie. She also, she has kind of a history of, of whimsy in her career. This is her first feature, but she's done a lot of TV. She's done a lot of shorts. A lot of them are about imaginary friends or about your best friends who are monsters. She, <laughs> she, you know, she brings whimsy into this film pretty effortlessly. There, there are a lot of sort of squiggles and scribbles and, you know, drawings and a little bit of fantasy sequences here and again that work really well within the, the confines of the film. Uh, because it it really it's a coming of age, and so it she is straddling, Sammy is straddling, sort of innocent, angry childhood with adolescent, which where it become a little bit more dangerous, mm-hmm. and it's it's a good combination. It's well handled. The film itself is so predictable that it really does bring the whole effort down a little bit. There's a lot of artistic, interesting flourishes, mm-hmm. and there are two great performances at the center because she and Rhea Perlman strike up this unlikely friendship they do. because 
the girl is interested in magic. And in fact, early on, it sort of reminded me of little bits of the Karate Kid, where instead of karate, she's learning magic. Right. Yeah. She doesn't really want to. She's gotten herself into the situation where the only way to get out of it is to learn magic. And she she's very searchy above it. This is so lame. <laughs> but little by little, she you know she wins her over. Rhea Perlman wins her over. It's very sweet in that yeah. way. Yeah. It's just that it's so very predictable. You know, I think it's important though. For someone like yourself who had to navigate some extreme grief in your teenage years to think that this is authentic, because if someone like you can think that, well, I think that's even more of a recommendation than most. That, well, that might be true. And and so much of the success of the film really falls on Ketch's performance. Good Lord, she's good. I mean, I'm, I'm a full-on fan at this point, <laughs> and I can't wait to see what she does next. That is great. And that is called Marvelous and the Black Hole, and it's streaming now, VOD. Going to Shudder next for this horror film, a rapidly spreading virus transforms people into intelligent, ultra-violent, extra-fast zombie hunters. After each wave of attack by the monsters, they're left incapacitated for 32 seconds while they recover their strength. It's called Virus 32. from co-writer and director Gustavo Hernandez, who did The Silent House yes, years ago. Yeah, he did that. He's done some other things as well. He's got quite a style, and he he brings that to bear here. There's a lot, a lot, a lot about this movie that's going to remind you of other movies, as is so often the case in a zombie film, mainly 28 Days Later. This could almost feel like, uh, you know, this is how that virus affected Uruguay, which is where it's set. I mean, it's it's very, very similar to 28 Days Later. Except that for two two things, the, the zombies are not mindless, which is to say they think things through. You can see them in a way that maybe yeah. an animal attack would. They think things through. Mm-hmm. And after they sort of satiate their bloodlust, then they are catatonic for 32 seconds. That's an interesting wrinkle. It is. It feels a little bit contrived, but yeah, yeah it definitely does. However... He ratchets up a lot of tension the couple of times he really digs into that. And so it's forgiven. Um, Mainly the reason this film works, and it does, is because of a lead performance from Paula Silva, who is magnificent. So she plays... Iris. Iris, who's kind of... She's just kind of a mess. And she's on her way to work. Uh, She's drinking shots. She's got to buy some smokes real quick before she gets there, even though she's late. And then all of a sudden her... Maybe eight-year-old daughter shows up. It's her day to take her daughter. She didn't remember she had her daughter today. So really quickly, they establish who this person is. She takes her daughter with her to work. She keeps staying at the club. And while you're thinking she's going to, like, a nightclub, no, it's a a long, closed-down athletic club, and she's security. So she's just going to wander through the dark and creepy halls mm-hmm. of this building, okay. checking security. Yeah. She sticks her daughter in a dilapidated gymnasium with water on the floor, gives her some basketballs, and just kind of leaves her there because she can check her on the security camera that's feeding into her phone. Um, and that's really the whole plot. Then, you know, unbeknownst to them, zombies have infested the city. And so it's a great setup physically for the film. The camera work is just magnificent from the big sweeping outdoor footage to the very creepy mm-hmm. halls of the indoor footage. I mean, it's shot incredibly well, but Silva's performance is just magnificent and elevates everything in the movie. I mean, there it is going to feel feel familiar in a lot of ways, but it's well worth watching. Yeah, and the 32-second thing, I get it. You say that it could sound a bit contrived, but again, you say when you're dealing with the zombie genre, I, I am a, maybe I am a little bit more forgiving because you have to find a way to make it 
somewhat new, yep. and that's hard. It is. So, so yeah, I end up giving it a little bit more rope. And uh, another good one for Shudder. Uh, you can find it there now called Virus 32. Well, if the zombie genre is well-worn, so is found footage. But we're going there next for a horror drama. Alone in her attic bedroom, teenager Casey becomes immersed in an online role-playing horror game wherein she begins to document the changes that may or may not be happening to her. This is called We're All Going to the World's Fair. So, you want to join the Internet's scariest online horror game? We can't be held responsible for what you become. I want to go to the World's Fair. This is for serious players only. I hope that you're ready to get scared together. The forces of the fair pulling you in closer. I swear, someday soon, I am just gonna disappear. And you won't have any idea what happened to me. We got to see this first yeah. at Nightmares Film Festival last October. I'm so excited that me the whole world too. is gonna get to see it now. Me too. Uh, Brayda Thomas reviewed this for us at uh, MadWolf.com. Loved it. He loved it. Four yeah. stars. I mean, yeah. loved it. Because it's... just just like the zombie mm-hmm. we were just talking about, this is found footage. Now, I know a lot of people immediately roll their eyes at found footage. But again, if you find a way mm-hmm. to give it a wrinkle, it, it can still be compelling. Yeah. And, and this is. Yeah, it really is. It reminds me just a little bit of... Of host from last year, which was a zoom camera. Everybody's like, oh, no, found footage, zoom camera. Oh, no, not that. So fresh, so genuinely frightening. And this is it's another one. It's just it it's just enough of a change mm-hmm. of pace in the plot with a great performance and great visuals. Yeah, we got to give the uh, the lead performance Anna Cobb as Casey. Brandon was going on and on. And also big props to writer and director Jane Schoenbrunn, who comes up with a, a different way. To go about found footage that is that works. Yeah, yeah, it's fresh, it's interesting, it's clever, it's scary, it's disturbing. It's just you should check this out. You definitely should check it out, Anna. I love when we have Nightmares Film Festival alums. I know it. I love that. Super love fun. that. So uh, hey, mark your calendars. Nightmares Film Festival, Columbus, Ohio, in October. We'd love to see you. And that one is uh, in theaters and on VOD. And you can check out Brandon Thomas's full review at MadWolf.com. It's called We're All Going to the World's Fair. And we'll wrap up with another horror thriller. Three friends on a backpacking trip find themselves stalked by a mysterious individual recording their every move. It's called Follower. Hey, uh, how many hunting licenses do we give out this season? Uh, 20, I think. Do we give out any, uh, like, crossbow hunting licenses? That could have hit us. Hey, that wasn't funny, Heather. Hi, um, me and two of my friends have been hiking on the Bennett Trail. On the Bennett wow. Trail, and we would, like, we would like to report that somebody just shot at us. He's recording us. Tori Haynes reviewed this one for us, and you know what? It starts off strong. You think that it's an intentional poke at, not a comedy in any way, but it is, it's going out of its way to show you how you can do something fresh with something that's well-worn, which, of course, we just talked about mm-hmm. two in a row. And this is the, you know, 
three friends going to the woods two day, you know, and it's a cap, you know, a social a, media thing. They got followers. They want to post, make these yep, posts for their yep. followers. Yeah. But someone's following them. Yes. And the two lead performances are really, really good and help to elevate every scene. Yeah. You've got uh, Ravel Carpenter and Gigi James and Molly Leach. They're the three friends. However, the film is never quite as clever as it thinks it is. And there are two or three moments where you think it's going in an actual fresh and interesting direction, but those are really just kind of flourish and they don't integrate into the film. And then the end, that makes it more disappointing that they brought it up in the first place. So on the whole, I think the fact that they almost had something. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that for our co-writer and director, James Rich. Yeah, as, as um, Tori pointed out in her full review at MadWolf.com, there is... There's something here. You're like, it's almost, it's almost there. And that uh, that kind of almost makes it more disappointing, <laughs> yeah. you know, that it really didn't work. Yeah, but you can check out her full review and you can check out the movie Follower if you're interested on VOD now. And after slacking off last week, he's back. Let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, back in the screening room. Well, we missed you last week, so you probably have double the info this week. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to split it, save some for next week. Okay. But we'll get to the more pertinent stuff right now. Um, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley is already available to stream on both Hulu and HBO Max, but there's a special black-and-white edition of the film titled Nightmare Alley, A Vision in Darkness and Light, and that will be on Hulu come April 25th. Oh, good. So yeah. that should be pretty cool. Yeah, I want to check that out. Redbox Films is releasing an action thriller called Black Sight to VOD on May 3rd. The horror film The Twin will hit Shudder on May 6th. Netflix is releasing an Indian Western thriller called Thar on May 6th as well. And then we have a lot of Sony news. Um, they sold their Woody Harrelson and Kevin Hart action comedy The Man from Toronto to Netflix. That was set for a theatrical release on August 12th but I'm assuming that won't hold at this point. They'll probably just slot it into their service later on in mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. And then keeping on with Sony, uh, they've done some shifting and announcing. First up, their Korean war drama, Devotion, will open in limited release on October 14th, expand to major cities on October 21st, and then go fully wide on October 28th. That one stars Jonathan Majors, Glenn Powell, and Joe Jonas. And it's from uh, Slight and Sweetheart director J.D. Dillard. More of a prestige film from him instead of a genre. Yeah. And then their next live-action Spidey spinoff, Craven the Hunter, will hit theaters um, next January. J.C. Chandor is directing that one, so you got a bit of a upgrade and pedigree on that front. Yeah. Wow, you ain't lying. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it'll star Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Russell Crowe, Ariana DeBose, Alessandra Nivola, and genre fan fave Christopher Abbott. Wow. That one's stacked. Yeah, it is. And they have pushed Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse Part 1 from its early October date. It now won't arrive until June next year. Mm. Um, They have another Spidey spinoff called Madam Web hitting July of next year, which will star Dakota Johnson. And they have announced Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington's The Equalizer 3 for yeah. September 2023. <laughs> yeah. Memorial Day or Labor Day weekend fun. Hopefully it's more in line with number one than number two. I thought number, I one, agree. number one was just great and number two was disappointing. Yeah, it was a step down. And then lastly, because they moved Spider-Verse Part 1 to... Um, next summer, they're moving part two to March of 2024. Yeah. And that'll be it. 
That's a bunch. All right. You can always catch up with Daniel and the latest news uh, on the socials. You can find him at The Schlocketeer. Thank you, as always. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, looking ahead to next week. Oh, we've got one that, we boy, we saw a long time ago. Mm. And it's got a really weird release plan that we'll talk about next week. The new one from Tilda Swinton called Memoria is finally out next week. And also, very similarly, something called Memory is out next week. Okay, Memoria and Memory, two different films. Also, Seven Days. And Crush. Unplugging. The Aviary. All right, will anything else pop up? Maybe. We'll see. But until then, what do you think of Nick Cage and Nick Cage? (laughs) Or what do you think of Viking lore with the Northmen or uh, the bad guys or whatever? We're always up for keeping the conversation going. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. Also on Instagram and Facebook. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there for you at madwolf.com. So we'll check in next week. In the meantime, be well. Enjoy the movies. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>